And as I reflected back over our time in prep last year and going into this year, I just want to simply say thank you. I grew up in a congregation where we were small in a rural town on the outskirts of the outskirts at the time of the outskirts of Atlanta, Georgia. And I often heard the conversations that, you know what, Atlanta will reach us soon enough and, and we'll grow. Or what if we could just have that full-time preacher and their family and we would grow? As I got older and moved around the country, I saw a lot of congregations look at the idea of growth from population movement. An area gets larger and an area gets smaller, but that's how we're growing. That's what the Bible's talking about. But this group looks at the Word of God. And we see that what is talked about in growth is going out into the community. It is sowing the seed. It is talking to those that are lost. And I'm grateful for each and every single one of you. And I hope the words that we review and remind ourselves as we prepare. I want to first start off with where Joseph led our minds and our thoughts and our scripture readings. And that is that the fields are ready. We won't reread this passage, but for context, I want us to remember what is happening around that pre precedes these four verses. This is Jesus when he is in Samaria with a Samaritan woman at the well. And what Jesus is reminding his disciples is that the harvest is right before their eyes, but they're not looking at this field. Let's go back to verse 27 in this passage. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? Jesus didn't see that she was a Samaritan and the cultural norms that would say a Jew shouldn't be talking to a Samaritan woman. He saw someone that needed to hear the word of God. She was in an adulterous situation and she was worshiping, but wasn't worshiping the one true God. Did Jesus say in his mind, you hopeless Samaritan woman, judging who and what she was or what she had been doing? You've gone so far. There is no chance that you would hear what I have to say. No. That's what his disciples were thinking. Jesus taught the disciples and us an important lesson. And that is the harvest was right before them. Jesus taught them that we need to put away these physical activities of busyness that we're just running from one place to the next. How fast can we, or how many things can we fit in our day? How fast can we jump from one thing to another and just lift up our eyes and look at the fields that are around us and recognize that the harvest, chapter 11, 
In Proverbs, we read in 11, chap chapter 11, verse 30, The fruit of righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Does that describe our lives? A wise soul is one that is a fruitful tree to those that are around them. Furthermore, we read in Romans chapter 1 and verse 13, Romans 1 and verse 13, Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. Teaching is a way to produce fruit. And just as we are called to be fruitful, there's another warning. Just as we are called to produce fruit, the converse of that is what do we need to avoid? And I would propose that we need to avoid being unfruitful. We have many examples of what happens in a situation like that. And we're going to review a couple of those this morning to remind us we need to always be about the work of God, sowing the seed. And this doesn't have to be something significant as we learned and saw how in Acts, how uh, Doris had done activities in support of a work. And it can be something as simple as our kids yesterday or this evening are going to hold signs. We need to find ways that we can fit in and to do the work. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, we read, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that you may learn not to blaspheme. There were those who had been removed. Now, in that removal, there was a lesson to be learned for those that remained, of being faithful and remaining to be faithful. Furthermore, we go to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 43. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. Israel lost its position because they had became unfruitful. More familiar passages are the unfruitful being destroyed. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 10, And even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Along the same line, we can look at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There's a warning. We need to be avoiding the temptation to become unfruitful and to stop teaching and sowing the seed. Next, I would like to propose that we have in enormous references that we could turn to, that all are involved in teaching. It is not the view that was shared in my childhood, that it's someone else's job 
to go out and sow the seed or that population growth of Christians moving into the area is an example of teaching. No, all are involved in sowing the seed. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The first thing we notice, a Christian's journey is involving growth. And so when we look at any congregation that you would be a part of, there's going to be babes, and then there are going to be those that are well of meat. But what is the warning here given to these Christians? We know the book of Hebrews is trying to fight this idea of apostasy. And that apostasy is driven from a standpoint that they remained babes. They hadn't grown to be teachers. There's an expectation that not just one person would become a teacher that was a babe, not just two, but that all would grow and improve. Further, we read in Mark 16 and verse 15, a very common passage. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's no limitation to where we look and to where we go. Furthermore, we need to be cautious. A few months ago, Jacob brought us a lesson on the parable of the sower. A few months prior to that, our kids learned and went through um, the idea of sowing the seed and a variety of lessons that they could learn from that. I won't read Matthew 13, 1 through 9, but let's review the explanation in Matthew 13, 18 through 23 of the parable. So Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is one who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and cares of this world. And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. We notice that the first soil that is referenced is that of the wayside. How many of us would stop and look at this soil and say, there is no chance we are going to get a good crop here? Why bother? I've got better things to do. We can obviously look 
that's not good soil? Did we make that judgment on when we were seeking on whom we would hand the flyers out of the last two weeks? I can tell you, my kids are, are better at not judging soul than anybody. It doesn't matter. If you're breathing and walking and communicating, that flyer is getting in your hands. There is no judgment of the soul that is before them. The invitation is the opportunity that they focus on. Is that us? Is that how we live? God said to sow this on this ground too. We're not to judge. We're just to sow. Next, we have the stony places. I think of our uh, trip recently to the top of Stone Mountain. <laughs> and you look at that ground, and uh, it would, it, it, if you are trying to think about it logically, why am I going to take this seed that uh, I had to buy and put on the ground there of what could come about it? We're not told to judge. We're told to cast the seed there too. Next, we have the thorns. This soil actually produces fruit for a period of time. It says that they become unfruitful after the riches and deceitfulness of this world distracts them, removes them from way. Not only should we not judge the soil, we must be careful not to become that soil in our own lives. And then the last is the good ground. This is not only, um, the, there was no reference in the parable that the sower did pH testing, soil sampling, nutrient evaluation, determine should I plant my seed here? Is this really good soil before I go through the trouble? No, they were to cast it there too. They were to cast it everywhere. And we, when we do this, sometimes it makes people feel uncomfortable. What is it going to fall on? What questions am I going to receive? And sometimes I think it's the lack of what we see here that scares individuals. And what we see for each of these single souls that are shown up here is something I didn't highlight, but is in every single one. And that is they hear a lot of things, the word. We talk about a lot of things with those that we come in contact with. Our work schedules, our work budgets, profit and loss, are we doing okay? The sport game that happened the night before, what just broke in the latest news cycle? Are we showing others that the most important thing in our life is the Word of God? Are we finding ways, like Jesus starting with a request for physical water, to immediately segue into a spiritual lesson or topic to probe, to inquire, or to use even a conversation about immoral issues that are rampant around us, that we would inject a thought that comes from the Word of God? Or are we more concerned what they may think of us? We must be willing to be those that are sowing the seed, which is talking about the Word of God. Our actions and the way we live our life are extraordinarily important. But if we just live a good life and we don't do what sowing the seed involves, which is speaking forth the Word of God, then we are not doing what we have been asked to do 
by our Heavenly Father. Let me rephrase that, what we've been commanded to do. Next, we have an important matter that I think we need to remember going into something that has involved so many hours and so many people involvement with this community Bible study. The conversion rate doesn't matter. When we think about the greatest example that we have in 120 years in a world that was described in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, that the intent and thoughts of his, that is mankind's heart, was only evil continually. When you look outside of his family, he was batting 0%. And that's okay. He did what God commanded him to do. He spoke the truth. It did not matter what results occurred of that, how much time he spent doing that versus something else he could have done. He did what God told him to do, and that's what matters. We cannot forget that he, we are facing the same type of environment in where we are going out to sow the seed over the next couple of days. Matthew 13, verse 15. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with them that I should heal them. Jesus is referencing back to a quote in Isaiah. And we could say that I, looking back to Noah, the exact same environment existed. It's okay if nothing becomes of it because that's not our role. That's not our job. We see what our job is in 1 Corinthians 3 and 6 where Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It's not up to us on the increase element. Never ever is put in our plate on our plate. It's not our job to focus on it. What our job to focus on is that we are sowing the seed in all the soils that are around us, that we pick up our eyes and we see the harvest in every situation. His disciples, Jesus' disciples, did not see the harvest that was right before them in Samaria. Their entire lives, they were raised to look away from that field. Don't pay attention to them. They do not get what they should have focused on and been dedicated to. They're lost, they're hopeless, forget it. Jesus says, pick up your eyes, look at the harvest, it is ripe. It's a lesson for us as we go forth this week. Next, let's not be fooled. The message that we're going to bring to the world is strange. It's foolishness. It will be peculiar. And that doesn't sit well with some people. So we may hear some things very similar to what we have seen in emails, Facebook comments. That may happen. We should have no concern, not be taken back or surprised. We should expect it. But as long as we go back to the Word of God, it doesn't matter what they throw back at us. Yesterday, we had a lady blaspheme Jesus Christ as she drove by us. We had some good conversations in many good ways. 
but there was one teenage girl with her feet propped up on the dashboard who purposely rolled down the windows with our kids on the corner and Lisa as far around as you can and thought it good or funny or entertaining to blaspheme Jesus Christ. How sad. But you know what? Once she passed by, we can keep on waving and smiling and talking to the ones that want to talk with us and continue to sow the seed. Don't let that discourage us. Let's look at a couple quick passages. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen generation. Show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We will be peculiar and we will be foolishness to the world. That's okay. We just keep on sowing. Let everything else take care of itself. And then lastly, before we recap and have a few concluding thoughts, we must not forget. We must be bold. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. There's nothing to be ashamed of. If we lose our jobs, if we have to give up things in our lives that are fun hobbies, it doesn't matter. We have the power of God, the gospel of Christ, and that should be our focus because there's a truth here. Acts 4, verse 12, we just studied this a few weeks ago. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. There are, as of this morning, approximately 7.9 billion people in the world. There are nearly 8 billion souls on the planet at this time. Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There are 8 billion people nearly that face the ultimate reality of sin and its consequences. There are harvest, there are fields ready for the harvest anywhere and everywhere we could go on this planet. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. The seed that we have, the Word of God, has the ability to change their eternal abode. Why would we hold it? 
why wouldn't we cheerfully and willingly spread that seed everywhere we go? And lastly, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some consider slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Does that describe how we treasure this seed? Do we desire that none should perish? If we do, then we will be throwing that seed everywhere we go. If we do, we will look up and everywhere we see, there will be a harvest that is white. So I hope these thoughts have been encouraging for you. They have been for me as we prepare for tomorrow. We need to always remember the fields are ready. We need to avoid falling into the trap of becoming unfruitful. We need to remember that we all have a part and are involved in sowing the seed. We don't need to judge the soil that we come upon. Matters of, We cannot get caught up in the trap that a conversion rate matters of any sort. And the message will be strange to the world. We need to be prepared. And we cannot forget to be bold because there, as we just saw, are nearly 8 billion people on the planet that need to hear the Word of God. And we need to be willing to sow the seed wherever we go. Thank you for your attention. If there, We offer the invitation song for those that have not obeyed the gospel and have heard the message this morning and that has pricked your heart to want to change your life. We also offer the invitation song for those that have um, sinned in a public manner and want to correct those um, sins in a public way as well. Please come forward as we stand and sing.